0: Today's scripture reading comes from Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There water was flowing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. And the water was coming out on the south side. Going on eastward with a cord in his hand, the man measured 1,000 cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,000 units and led me through the water, and it was knee deep. Again, he measured 1,000 and led me through the water, and it was up to the waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, Mortal, have you seen this? Then he led me back along the bank of the river. As I came back, I saw on the bank of the river a great many trees on one side and on the other. He said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. And when it enters the sea, the sea of stagnant waters, the water will become fresh. Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish once these waters reach there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the river goes. People will stand fishing beside the sea from Engedi to Englund. It will be a place where the spreading of nets, its fish will be of a great many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt." On the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water from them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. It is good to be with you. We are continuing in our series with the chapel preaching team, speaking on people within scripture uh, whose stories speak of deep faith in God. Uh, Tiffany Hazel uh, spoke to us uh, last time on the story of Esther and how even though the name of God was never mentioned Within the whole book, that we see evidence of God's movement. As she said, God is making noise even in the midst of a time of exile. And for the, for the life of Ezekiel, he finds himself in a similar situation that he too is living in a land that is not his own. We learned that Ezekiel was a priest who was living in Jerusalem during the first Babylonian invasion. And even though the city was spared, Babylon takes a first wave of prisoners from Israel, and Ezekiel is one of them. And so Ezekiel be- begins having these visions of what he calls the likeness of the glory of God. He sees these visions of the temple. He sees these visions of the splendor and glory of God. But he is wondering one thing. He is in Babylon. He's not in Jerusalem. And yet he is seeing the glory of God in Babylon. Why is the glory of God in Babylon? It shouldn't be here. It should be in the temple above the Ark of the Covenant. And then in this vision, God speaks to Ezekiel and he commissions him to be a prophet, to tell Israel that they have broken a covenant with him, that they've broken a covenant between God and God's people. And he commissions Ezekiel to tell the people that they have been worshiping idols, that they need to repent. And so God tells Ezekiel, go and warn the people. And oh, by the way, no one will listen to a word you have to say. That's hard, right? God is commissioning Ezekiel to be the mouthpiece of God. But he's also telling them, the people won't listen. The people will reject you because they have hard hearts. They have hearts of stone." Have you ever tried to warn something to someone? You can see maybe that something is about to happen, but they can't see it. And as much as you try, they are not listening to you. How frustrating is that? To be a person of warning, and yet no one is taking your warning seriously. And so Ezekiel begins to try so many different ways For the people to listen to him. Uh, Many of us who are uh, familiar with Ezekiel's story, we know the story about the bones, right? The the bones in which uh, Ezekiel speaks to and they all come together and they become flesh. That's probably one of the most famous parts of Ezekiel's story. But Ezekiel's story is, is pretty hard. He is going through a really, really tough time being a prophet and speaking these warnings to God's people. And so he verbally tells the people about these warnings, but then Ezekiel gets creative. He, he, he starts doing what, what I would consider maybe like, uh, like street um, like plays kind of thing, like drama, street drama, where he's kind of doing things in ways where he's acting out what is going to happen with Jerusalem. First, uh, Ezekiel gets on the ground And he makes a replica of Jerusalem. And then he like smashes it to pieces, right? And he destroys this replica to tell the people that God is going to destroy Jerusalem and its temple. Then Ezekiel does something even more bizarre. He shaves off all of his hair. And with the sword ends up just cutting all of his hair into different pieces, even more bizarrely, and this is probably the one that I feel is more interesting, is that he ties himself up, representing the sacrifice of atonement. And he lays on his side, and he's asked to eat bread for a year, for three hundred over a year, 390 days. And uh, some of you may recognize the verse, uh, Ezekiel 4.9, because you go to the grocery store, and you see bread that says Ezekiel 4.9 on it, and you're like, ooh, there's bread with the verse on it. And you look closely, and it says, eat bread made of wheat and barley and beans and lentils and millet and spelt. And that's the bread that Ezekiel is asked to eat, which is, I mean, pretty healthy bread, to be quite honest. It's great. I actually looked up some of the research, and it said that it has a lot of protein with all of those mixtures of all those components, it's quite fascinating. And yet, he's asked to eat this bread. And God asks him to do something bizarre. I was going to actually tell you to just read the next few verses after. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay? Um, God asks him to heat this bread with a fire made of human feces. and then obviously. Ezekiel opposes that, and he's like, no, this is, kind of, this is kind of, no, this is bizarre. I want to make a deal with you, God. How about, um, and, and so I, I can't not defile myself in that way. And so God says, okay, so eat it made out, of fi- made out of a fire of cow dung. And that's kind of where they leave it. And for 390 days, he eats this bread. And this bread is a representation of the ways in which the people of Israel will be living in ways and eating things that were unclean and unhealthy. And all of these things, the smashing of the Jerusalem uh, replica and the cutting of his hair and the eating of this bread, these were all the ways in which Ezekiel was being called to call the attention of the people of Israel, repent, I warn you, this is going to happen. To help them see that they were worshiping idols and break in the covenant with God. To tell them that God's glory would be leaving the temple. And yet, the other part of his message that God will not abandon them. That even though he sees in this vision that the glory of God is in another place, that the glory of God and the presence of God will be with them wherever they go, even in exile. God is wanting to change them through God's Spirit. God is wanting to replace their hard hearts with hearts of flesh. And this is the desire that Ezekiel is trying to tell the people of Israel, repent, see that you've broken this covenant, but know that God is calling you into something new. And so let's fast forward to the passage that we just read in Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel continues to have these visions about the temple and about about God's glory leaving, yet this one is a little bit different. You see, in chapter 47, he notices this trickle of water that's coming out of the temple. This trickle is coming out of the east or moving towards the east from the temple, and this trickle is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger as it moves farther away from the temple. What now started as a trickle is now a stream. The passage says that every uh, thousand or hundred cubits, I'm sorry, of the, the flow of the water, that it gets bigger and bigger from what was ankle deep is now moving to knee deep and now to waist deep. And what was once a stream is now moving and becoming a river. And this river is not only getting deep, but it's affecting everything around it. Trees are starting to grow and life is beginning to, to be made and, and is being birthed. And the river is flowing into places that had no life before. The Bible says, and in other translations, it says that this Bible flowed into the Dead Sea. So many of you know that the Dead Sea is, is a space, is a body of water that really can't hold any life. There's no plant life that can survive in the Dead Sea. There are no fish that can survive in the Dead Sea. The, the salt level within the Dead Sea is just not a, not a place where life can exist. Nothing can live there. And yet this river from the temple is flowing into places that are dead. And this temple is representative of God's glory. And we see that God's glory in the ways in which it moves out of the temple is giving new life, is giving restoration, and is bringing forth fruit. That's beautiful. When, when people thought of the glory of God or thought of God's holiness, to be in contact with God's holiness meant that you would die. There's just no way that you, uh, something unclean can be in the presence of a holy God. Because things that are unclean can't approach the holy, because it will defile it, and which really makes sense. Um, my son loves to hug me a lot. You know, he's 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 one of those kids who's really affectionate, and he loves to give me lots of hugs. And many times he will give me hugs when he's really dirty or really wet. It just happens all the time, particularly when he eats food that is all over his face, and he's done with that food, he's like, Daddy, I want to give you a hug. It's interesting. And he'll come and he'll give me a hug, and there'll be handprints all over my clothes, and there'll be smudges of chocolate or whatever he's eating uh, all over my clothes. And so it is obvious to assume that when the clean and the unclean meet, that it becomes unclean. And this is the way in which Israel operated. It's the way in which their laws made sense. It's the ways in which they did their cleansing ceremonies. For you to approach a holy God meant that you had to be cleansed in a way to approach the holiness of who God is. Because nothing unclean can come into that presence. And yet, this vision This vision of God's glory tells us, one, that the glory of God cannot be contained to one place. But then two, that the glory and holiness of God changes things. That when it interacts with the unclean, when it interacts with everything around it, what happens is that instead of becoming unclean, that space becomes holy. That space becomes a place in which the glory of God changes and transforms and brings in new life into those spaces. That the river that we see that's coming out of this temple is flowing out in ways that it's bringing transformation and new life. It is making us holy. Holy. And as we see this river go into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea that could not contain any life, the, the, the Dead Sea that, had, that was too salty is now becoming fresh, that fish are able to now live in the sea and live in abundance, that trees are emerging and not only sprouting up, but they're offering fruit. They're offering fruit that offers food to the people around and their leaves are bringing healing this is what Ezekiel is proclaiming that in this vision God is not abandoning God's people but that God is doing something new and that God is offering life in places in which we're once dead that when we come in contact with the God who is holy and who is good That something changes in us. That what was dead can now become alive and transformed. This is who we know and understand God to be. The one who entered willingly into dry and dead spaces to do the work of transformation. And we see this through the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus... God-made flesh takes on human nature, touching the unclean. We think about the bleeding woman. We think about the lepers. We think about those who have been cast out from their societies. Those who were proclaimed and told that they were unclean and could not be in clean spaces. And even raising the dead back to life. And more so, taking death upon himself and being raised to life again. God is bringing life into all of those places. God's glory has come out of his temple and he has made his presence known to us in Jesus Christ. And so the glory of God is flowing out of the temple to bring life, As people who are followers of Jesus, we too have the gift of being a place where God's glory flows. We too are a place in which God's glory can bring new life, not only into our own lives, but also to the people around us. That we first have to allow God's glory and God's spirit to transform us and transform, transform our hearts that are made out of stone into being hearts of flesh so that new life, the life of Christ, can emerge within us. And also that we can be places where the river of God flows and brings life and healing for those that come in contact with us. First Corinthians 619 says this, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Do you not know that we are the temple? We are the place from which God's glory both dwells and flows out of. That we as the body of Christ can be a place where God's Holy Spirit and God's Holy Presence can move forth and do the work of restoration and healing in our world. And I have to confess, we don't do it perfectly. And yet, God desires to use us. God desires to work in and through our lives. That just as that river flowed out of the temple. The presence of God moving forth and the holiness of God moving into different places that bring new life. We as a community, we as people who are followers of Jesus, those of us who follow the way of Jesus, are people in which God's presence can flow out of us, out of our temple, in order to bring new life and restoration to see life in abundance, to see hope in the middle of dry places. This is the call in which Ezekiel is calling into into us. The invitation today is to allow God to work in us, to allow God's spirit and presence to do a work in us that we can have open hearts, hearts of flesh, to receive the ways in which God's spirit wants to move in our midst. We always have an opportunity to come to the altar, particularly on Wednesdays, to be able to come and confess our need for God, but also we understand that the altar is a symbol of a place in which we encounter God's holiness that we are able to come and approach the throne in ways in which we can leave different people. And so my hope today is that we can be a people who spend time reflecting in prayer, whether it's here at the space or wherever we are, to understand and have a holy imagination of how we could be a people through which the river of God fills our hearts, and flows out of this place and into the rest of our world. And so I pray that it may, it may be so. I pray that that may be our desire as we move into the rest of this week, as we move into the rest of this year. God, would your river, would your spirit flow out of me in ways that bring new life to those around me? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for your presence. Your presence that cannot be contained, but goes before us, and goes with us, and goes after us. God, we pray that you continue to work in our hearts. Continue, God, to do a work in our lives in which our hearts that may be hardened to you may be softened a little bit more. That our hearts may be opened up just a little more in the ways in which you desire to work in our lives. God, may we be be transformed and made new. God, we pray that we may be vessels, temples in which your spirit may pour out and bring new life to things that are once dead. God, I pray that you enable us in the way of your son, Jesus, so that we may bring glory to your name. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways in which you are calling us, in which you're trying to get our attention, so that we may be people who follow you more closely. God, give us faith. God, give us understanding. God, may your love reign within us so that we may be a reflection of who you are in this world. Be with us as we leave this place. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.